Pastor Brenda had given me about three different identities during that game. I wasn't sure who she was pretending to be. Um, so thank you for those prayers. We are gathered together today as the body of Christ, and it's so good to be with you all present and online. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, this kingdom now, this living in the kingdom now. I appreciated YWAM and the DTS they're doing and the encouragement to do things now, right? And that's God's invitation. That's Jesus's invitation to start living in the kingdom now. This isn't some way to live this way. He invites us into the here and the now. And so let's dig in today. Today, we continue in the series and we are looking at living carefree, living in the moment, some of what has already emerged as a theme. And so Let's pray as we begin to unpack God's word. God, we just invite you and your spirit into this time. God, as we dig into your scripture, God, speak them to our hearts. Allow us to know, um, God, how we are to live this out. In your name we pray. Amen. So we are looking at Matthew 6, 25 to 34. It is in um, on your bulletin there. It'll also be on the screen. Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you... By worrying at a single hour to your lives. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This might be a familiar passage to you if you've been in a church context for very long. And I want to start that very first word there is therefore. And I was taught at a young age, when you see therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? So Jesus here is referring to everything that came before, especially the passage right Pastor Brenda preached on last week. He is inviting us into do not worry because of what he has said before. So what was that passage as a reminder? Back in 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, right? But rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So what are treasures on earth? They are things that the world values. They're temporary. They're not eternal. Versus treasures in heaven that are eternal. These are the things that God values. Things that are everlasting. Now we might read this and go, okay, so is this about delayed gratification? If I, if I don't get treasures now, then I'll have much more treasure in the future. Right? That's... that's not what Jesus is saying here. We begin to have these treasures in heaven in the here and the now, kingdom now. Or we might look at this and go, okay, I know we have several lawyers in our midst. Is there a loophole here, right? Can I have treasures now on earth and these heavenly treasures? That would be the best of both worlds, right? 
But Jesus is saying one of these treasures is secure and temporary, and one of these treasures is secure and forever, and we have to choose. See, we reveal what we treasure by what we protect, by what we keep, about what we want to be secure. So when you possess something, you, you own it, right? When I buy a bicycle, right, I create something new. I create a relationship between me and that bicycle. I possess it. Now I clean my bike because it is mine, right? I don't clean other people's bikes because they're not mine. Something has changed in this relationship with me and that bike once I bought it. See, if we uphold everything as ours, right, you spend energy on the owning of it. I was listening to uh, this podcast called the Vox Podcast, and it, he talks about this mineness. It's mine, mining. I'm, I'm mining these things. I'm, they're mine, and I, it takes energy to mine something. Because it's possible that as much as we own the possession, the possession owns us. It takes energy to possess, and it begins to possess our time, our energy, our mental space. I rarely think about what it will cost me to own something. I think I have the money, I want it, I buy it. But what will it require of me? What will possessing this require of me? How will it embed in my heart? Will it begin to create worry for me if I lose this? How do I protect it? How do I keep it safe? Now, when Eric and I were in the U.S., most of the cars that we had were, were used cars. And we finally decided one of our cars was, had lived a good life, and it didn't have A.C. in it. And we were living in Southern California, and the car needed to, to, to go. So we saved up and we bought a new car. Now, my old car had dings. I didn't care if I drank, if the kids spilled in it. But once I had the new car, it was like, Cody, you better not spill in that back seat, right? <laughs> This is our first new car. Don't mess it up, you know. When Eric and I are driving, park very carefully. Don't scratch it, right? See, now I was expending energy in the possession of this thing. It was beginning to own me. It was mine. Where I had incredible freedom with the old car, there was a carefreeness with it now. Worry, right? And that's just a small example. So Jesus isn't just talking about possessions here. He's talking about what happens when we possess things. What happens when we say, mine, this is mine. Now, Jesus isn't saying it's better to be poor. But he's saying the rich are disadvantaged in this area. They have more opportunities in practice to not mine because the temptation is greater. They have to work harder at not mining things. Does that make sense? And then the final verse last week was this 624. No one can serve two masters, right? You cannot serve both God and money. This word cannot is two words. It's, it's not and it's power. This Greek word dunamos, where we get dynamite from. Cannot, right? You don't have the power. If you cannot resist the temptation to say mine, you do not have the power to be my disciple is what Jesus is saying. If you do not have the power to resist the love of money, you will have nothing left over to be my disciple. You cannot serve two masters is what Jesus is saying. 
So how do we practice not mining stuff? Jesus gives us this teaching because it impacts how we live. It impacts our hearts. It impacts how we follow Jesus. And that brings us into our passage for today. Therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will wear, right? Because life is not about these temporary things. It's about an eternal place that we can begin living now. Now, some people are more prone to worry and anxiety than others. This, this passage is not about self-help. This passage is, is not sort of about happiness. It's really about what is in our heart. I'm not a super worrying type of person, but I would be lying if I'd said I'd mastered this text. I've been digging through this text the last two weeks, and God has been speaking in my heart and inviting me to growth, much like Pastor Brenda said last week. This is not just me preaching to you, it's preaching to myself. Jesus isn't concerned really with making us happier. He's teaching us how to be a people shaped by God's kingdom and how to live that out. He goes on, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away, right? But the Father sees them, and aren't they much more valuable than you? See, a superficial reading, and, and really the reading that most of my life that I, that I took on was, see, God takes care of the birds and the flowers. He'll take care of you, so you have nothing to worry about. That's actually not what this passage is saying. See, we have to remember that Scripture is written for us, but not to us. We are not the original audience of these words. So what did this mean to the disciples, to those around Jesus? First of all, birds were used as sacrifices. And flowers, and he even says it in the passage, are here today and gone tomorrow, the thrown into the fire. Jesus is talking about the temporariness of them. See, being in a relationship with God does not mean bad things will not happen to us. It does not mean God takes care of the birds and the flowers, so you have nothing to worry about because nothing will ever happen to you. We know by lived experience that bad things do happen to us. Things that are less than ideal happen to us. Our faith can actually bring more hardship into our life. I was reading a story about this guy, Dirk Willens, in 16th century Holland. He was a Mennonite, and Mennonites, a Christian faith, a denomination, were outlawed in Holland, and they were being executed. And so Dirk is running across this ice field in Holland, being chased by the authorities, and this guy who was chasing him fell into the ice, and he's calling out for help, and, and Dirk actually goes back and rescues him, and the guy is very thankful and very appreciative, because Dirk knew it was the right thing to do because of who he was as a believer. His pursuer then arrested him, and two days later, Dirk was burned at the stake. His faith, living kingdom now, actually brought the end of his life. So Jesus isn't saying, follow me and you'll have nothing to worry about. What does he mean? 
He's proclaiming the carefreeness of the birds and the flowers. They're not worried about these things. It's not that bad things won't happen to them. See, the opposite of worry is not security. We want to read it that way. I won't worry once I'm secure. Maybe that's how we function. Once I accumulate enough that makes me secure, now I'm okay, right? The birds were constantly eating, right? If you've seen a bird very long, they spend a lot of time gathering, right? Um, But there's a carefreeness to it. There's not a storing away for a rainy day. He's not saying you can live carefree if you're treasuring things that are temporary. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Ultimately, we'll lose all of these temporary treasures. Everything will be gone. Except eternal treasures. They will not be taken from us. Those things are secure. Those things are safe. Living for the kingdom and living for Jesus is what can never be taken away from us. Now, I know for me, I have a desire to feel secure. Growing up in my family, things were not secure. It was paycheck to paycheck. We would get notices, the electricity is going to shut off, they're going to stop collecting the gas, and there was lots of conflict over money in my home. I was just talking to my dad about this this last week. He said, do you remember when things were like that? And, and now financially, he's much more secure, but back then, we, we were not. And I made this inner vow to myself, I'm never going to be that way. I'm never going to fight about money in our home. But what that did for me was, part of it was a good thing, right? Budget your money, spend less than you make. Those were good things, but secretly in my heart, it began to shift my security from God to my own plan of security. I will save enough to be secure. The very opposite of what this passage is saying. Jesus says you worry because you treasure wrongly. You're treasuring the wrong things, things that will not last. So you can be carefree as the birds because your treasure cannot be taken away. You can lose everything else, but you will hold on to the things of the kingdom. All these other things, good things, when they aren't your treasure, when they're not your ultimate things, you can live a carefree life. Tim Keller says it this way, He says, idolatry happens when we take good things and make them ultimate things. We're usually not treasuring bad things. Even these temporary things are usually not bad. But when they become ultimate things, they become idols in our lives. It becomes idolatry because we're trusting in them more than we're trusting in God. See, when good things, savings, careers, our kids' education become our treasures, when they become ultimate things, we treasure wrongly. We have mined them These are mine. These are what I want to see happen. These are what I think will bring security and happiness and fulfillment. Rather, Jesus invites us into a prayer-free life, even when our temporary circumstances are not ideal. See, if your treasure is your bank account, your looks, your age, your kid's education, you cannot help but worry Those will be your treasures. Keeping them safe, protecting them will occupy space in your mind, will create worry in your life because those things will not last. 
If you live in fear of something happening to your treasures, what school your kid gets into, right? Your savings plan. You can't help but be filled with worry. When these things are mine, we possess them. We become enslaved to them. Jesus is saying this is what will happen in our hearts. You can serve only one master. You cannot have it all. What are your worries personally? Whatever life stage you might be at right now, what are the things that emerge that bubble up? What are the worries that you have for your family, for your relationships? What are the worries you have for our city, for your home country? These things reveal our worries, our treasures, what occupies space in our hearts. Is there safety and security in Christ? Yes, he is the good shepherd. But the security that Christ offers is different than the security the world offers. Jesus says it this way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, Jesus is the good shepherd. We were singing about the fact earlier that he will not leave us or forsake us. That doesn't prevent bad things happening to us or from people hurting us. That is not the promise of this passage. The promise of this passage is that if we treasure rightly God's kingdom, seeking him first and holding everything else loosely, that that grip of anxiety can be loosened in our lives. That when we seek his kingdom... God will still be faithful to us. He knows what we need. These things will be added to our lives. God desires to fulfill the interest of his children, what helps them to flourish. If we're only ever free from anxiety when we build up such a secure um, treasure for ourselves, if that's the only time that we can be free from worry, how often does that even happen? A couple of times during the year, the stock market shoots up, oh, I'm feeling much better. And tomorrow it goes down, oh, I'm not feeling so much better, right? Jesus is saying, if that is your treasure, worry will come along with it. But if we treasure the kingdom, these other things won't grip our hearts, won't paralyze us that we can enjoy these other things properly, these gifts of our job, of our children, of resources, of beauty. See, Jesus says that to treasure things on this earth is not a smart strategy for treasuring because these things can be taken away or destroyed. And ultimately, we will lose them entirely. Rather, he says, invest in what cannot be lost. How do we do that? I want to finish with this. Devote yourself to your relationship with Jesus. Prioritize that love of God in your life. 
coming to worship together, right? Our steps that help to guide our hearts in what we treasure. Devote yourself to the flourishing of other people. Pastor Brenda brought this up last week when she said God is jealous, not in a narcissistic way. He's jealous for the flourishing of everyone. Guiding our heart to what it is treasuring. Dallas Willard says, a main part of intimacy between two people is precisely mutual knowledge of their treasures. What are those things that we hold dear and how do we guide it? See, we can guide our heart in treasuring. We can guide our minds in a direction of treasuring. How do we do that with your partner? How does that look? Make a conscious effort to treasure your partner who God has given you versus comparing them with what they are not, comparing them with some ideal image, comparing them with somebody else. Treasure what you have in your life. Value that. How do you treasure your children? Maybe they have made poor choices. Maybe the relationship is not what you thought it would be. Guide your heart in treasuring who they are, what their gifts are, what they bring to you that you can enjoy that connection versus I wish you were more like whoever it is. We can guide our hearts in treasuring. We can act upon this and invite God into it. But it takes work. Devote yourself to the thing God, the things God cares about. His kingdom, justice, mercy, serving opportunities that we talk about almost every week here. These are things that can shape our treasuring of God and the things that He cares about. See, Jesus doesn't just give us this teaching and walk away. He gives the Sermon on the Mount, then he lives his life out about it. And it wasn't always easy for them. He, we see him wrestling with that treasure in the Garden of Gethsemane. God's will or, or my will, right? He's wrestling with it. And, and this is the encouragement we have. Jesus wrestles with it, and then he helps us in our wrestling with it. I think this is a lifelong process of wrestling with treasuring, but we can take steps forward in treasuring God more deeply. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who speaks into our hearts, into our lives, God. You don't teach it and walk away. You teach it and you come near to us and you invite us to treasure you, God. God, and I pray that as we sing this next song, that it's an act of worship for us that we can begin to lay down in front of you maybe things that we have treasured wrongly, probably good things that have become too big in our hearts, God, things that we are holding with worry instead of holding on to you, Jesus. We bring all this to you in your name. Amen.